Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, this is my third and final message uh, in this season on holy, holy, holy. And today we want to talk about the outward signs. I realize and recognize that I'm speaking to the church today. And so I just want to say to you that we need to be reminded of these things. Sometimes we go through trials and struggles and uh, we go through those kinds of things and then we arrive at this season on the church calendar and it's time to just kind of take inventory of where we are. And today uh, we are going to have the imposing of the ashes and so that the sign of the ashes is simply it's a commitment that we do in our heart and the ashes is the outward sign that we've done that. So as I come to the close of the message today, I will give us a, a moment to reflect on ourselves and to take this word into our heart and examine ourselves. And then we'll have the imposing of the ashes and, and everyone is welcome to partake that would like to. It's um, it's a season that we start to think about our salvation. You know, uh, we know we're saved. We go to church. We worship the Lord. But there comes a time on the church calendar that we need to reflect on just how powerful our salvation is and what our salvation has done for us and to not take our salvation for granted. You know, so that's what the message is about today. It's called the outward signs. Now, we know that God spoke to Samuel and he said, we, we, you know, we don't look on the outward appearance. But what he was saying is we don't look on, you know, the, 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 the framework of mankind, if we're tall or if we're beautiful or what we are, but we're to look, God looks upon the heart. And so it's hard to kind of put this message together today because I want to say we want to look on the outside, but when we look on the outside, we should see what's inside the heart. And the heart issues should control us as Christians. And I believe that something, one thing that's gone wrong in our nation is that Christianity hasn't stood for the te- stood the test of time in that we perhaps need to be stronger in our witness, the Church of Jesus Christ at large. You know, sometimes we have made differences and and did things to get people rather than to get souls for the kingdom of God. So today I want to talk about the outward signs. What do people see when they look at us as a Christian? Multitudes of people, and I think every one of you have seen this sometime, people who say they're Christians and you run into them in a crisis and or you see them in a disappointment and then you find that they're, they're, they don't really show forth the Christianity that they should have in their heart. So it's just a time to take a little bit of an inventory today and prepare our hearts because Jesus went through temptation for a purpose. And that purpose was to show us that he could get through the temptation. And because of his perfection, he could give us eternal life. So that is a very big, uh, important issue in our life. So God's business with mankind begins in the heart. What is in the heart of the Christian that will show on the outside that will cause people to desire to be a Christian? You know, what is the example of what does the example of the believer look like? Um, I, I think about this a lot because once I was coming to a corner 
driving, and I was coming coming kind of fast, which I was known for. And uh, I saw a saintly person coming opposite me. And when I came up so quick, I saw the expression and I saw the words that they said. And then, and it always has been in my heart from that day because, you know, the crisis of the moment, there was not that Christian experience that should have been there. And I'm, I'm sure I've been there myself, uh, when somebody scares me half to death. But today we want to talk about those outward signs and we want to meditate upon that. We want to, we want to recognize that we are tempted, tempted. Our flesh is tempted. And Jesus wants us to stand firm and strong for him. So we're going to talk about the outward signs of an example of a believer. As we overcome, you know, we're all overcomers. As we overcome, we should grow in grace. The Bible says we should move from grace to grace. So today we should be a stronger Christian than we was last year. And I look at my own life as a a young person in ministry and now today in this mature ministry (laughs) and i can see a a multitude of changes that has transpired i want these changes to be good i don't want these changes to be bad i don't want to take for granted the goodness of god so we're going to look at the our hearts today first timothy 4 11 through 13 the bible says these things Command and teach. Be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We read this in our devotion today. And then it says, till I come, give attendance to reading of the word, I'm sure, exhortation and doctrine. So as I looked at that, I thought this is Paul talking to the church and telling the church, telling Timothy how to handle the church and what to do in his church. And But I loved it when I came to the part that says, till I come. And I thought right then, Jesus is speaking to us. He's saying he wants these things to be in the life of the believer till he comes. Not just because we come to salvation today and we get exempt from hell and then we live however we want to live. But there is a plan of salvation that should be seen in our heart and our life. So, so we must give ourselves to, first of all, as a believer, to the word of God. And so if we give it to the word of God, we must caution ourselves as to our words, what we say. We'll get into that in a moment. The conversation in charity and in, in giving and being admirable to with love toward the downtrodden. When you see somebody on the corner uh, at Walmart, when you go through there and they have a sign up and they're begging, what do you think? You know, do we think, well, there's a job, I think, there's a job right behind you. You know, Walmart wants it, wants you to work. But we never understand the heart of that individual because Jesus is the one that sees the heart. He's the one that understands the issues of the heart. So we never understand that. So we, as a Christian, should be charitable. We should be loving. We should be giving. And our spirit should be strong in faith and, and, and purity because God asks us and he especially asks the leadership to teach these things and command these things. That's what Paul was teaching Timothy. He was saying, Timothy, you got to talk to your church and you got to teach them 
these things until I come and then I'll make it a little stronger. Well, we need to teach these things because when Jesus comes, it's going to be a stronger situation. So we need to we need to think on these things. I know it's a simple message this morning, but when you stop to think about your life and you stop to think about Christianity and you stop to think about all that Christ has done for us and how he was perfect and we find out we cannot be so perfect, then we need to realize that we need to just take a little check. Now, the wisdom literature in Proverbs 4.20 gives us some, some wisdom. Proverbs 4th chapter and 20 verses says, Attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. We're talking about the Proverbs. Have you ever just sat and read the Proverbs and meditated upon these words of wisdom? They're, they don't even connect sometimes. It just says this and then it says this and then it says something else. It's just words of wisdom to live by. It says, because this deals with a heart. It is in the midst of the heart, the Bible says. For they are life unto them that find them, and they are health to their flesh. I thought that was powerful. The word of God is life. The word of God is health to our flesh. Think about, if, think about what bitterness does to an individual. I've known Christians who have bitterness and, and, there's illness and there's struggles and there's heartache. That's normal for a Christian because we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're in it. And it's normal for us to have struggles because if you read the Old Testament, the Bible says that God sent them through the wilderness and through all they went through, if you have ever read it, to prove them to see what was in their heart. And God is still doing that today to us to see what's in our heart, see our faithfulness, see our attendance to his holiness and his righteousness. So it says, for they are life, you know, uh, the, the words that he gives us. Keep thy heart with all diligence. I think this is so important today because, you know, uh, we've gone through this COVID-19. We've gone through changes in our church. We've gone through so many changes in our families and these things. And we don't sometimes realize what's in our heart because our heart is hurt or there is our spirit is wounded. Situations and crises come up and, and we have them and we feel them. And we don't even recognize it until somebody comes along and they, they let it out of the bag. They say something about it and then we jump right on it because it's there in our heart. And God wants us to take care of the issues of our heart with diligence. Diligence is a very strong word. For out of it are the issues of life. So whatever transpires in our life is in our heart. And when our heart is not right with God, it doesn't show the right signs of a believer to those that are looking upon us. So this is a season to prepare ourselves as we, as Jesus did. He prepared himself to be our salvation. And what, what more can we do than to prepare ourselves to be a believer in the salvation that he brought for us? Verse 26 there in Proverbs 4 says, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. And this is a call today for us as Christians to ponder the path of our feet. Where, where are we going spiritually? Where, what are we doing for God? Where is our servitude? Where is our charitableness? 
What is our conversation like? What is our faith like? I mean, our faith is being tested, you know, this even in this storm, you know, everything about our Christian experience is being tested. And we're walking through this to prove that we'll be faithful to God no matter the circumstances. So the Lenten season it's not just a tradition. People think that it's just a tradition. I heard a minister on the TV say, well, that's a Catholic thing. No, it's not. It is a Christian thing. The Lenten season is preparation to once more look at ourselves and our salvation and how we trust God and how we live the Christian life. So it 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 um, it marks a very serious season in the church and probably one that pastors don't always want to face because we have to talk about these things. But there are outward signs that people should see in our life that will cause them to want to be a believer. You know, if we're like them, and they're angry, and they're upset, and they're obstinate, and they're disagreeable, and if we're like that, we don't show forth the difference between us. We're not peculiar. God is looking for peculiar people. And that doesn't mean strange. It just means different. It means that we are set aside, sanctified, and prepared for the work of the Lord. So the Lenten season is a furious time. It's a, a serious time. It is a time to identify with the Lord's temptation because we are tempted on every side. It, it's a time to identify with his walk among humanity how many know if we could just walk with Christians and just be in kindness and peace and gentleness, we'd be okay? But, you know, we have neighbors that might run over our drive or we have family that irritate us. You know, all those kinds of things is part of the living experience of Christianity. So we also, it's a time to see what our reaction is. That's where uh, we often fall short is our reaction to things. And sometimes we we react before we even understand. And many times we will never understand because we don't always understand the heart of another individual. Only God understands the heart. So we need to be Christian in our reaction. And, and I say that to myself more than I say it to you today. I have to watch our reactions because our reactions should point to us as believers in Christ. And we should be different than the world. So Jesus' reaction to the Father was to be obedient. His reaction was, you know, he, his flesh, the flesh that Christ was in, did not want to go to the cross. But his reaction was to be obedient to the Father. And just think on that church. If, if I don't say anything else of any importance today, you know, what is our reaction to our salvation? How do we respond when God convicts us and God wants to talk to us? And I can tell you, I, I, I have been in, in church services where I see the reaction when a pastor gets on a plane and, and people on that side of the church will get up and go out and people on this side, there'll be also, there'll be a moment of walking. And and I believe that that's because there's a conviction. And when we're convicted, we, we move away from it. But God wants us to move toward him. His word says, draw, draw nigh to God. It's easy to draw away because then we don't have to be accountable. But he wants us to draw to him so that we can be accountable for our reactions and what goes on. So it's hard in this day to overcome hatred. 
Now, I know that a Christian doesn't hate, but you feel hatred when you see the things that are transpiring in our world. When you see the wickedness and the corruption, and we can hate sin, we cannot hate the sinner. And so we have to be mindful of that when we see all the things that went on in the streets and the and the warfare and the things that are not right, then we have to be careful and and not not let a hate a hateful spirit get on us. And and a hateful spirit attempts to get on Christians. And if we're not um, if we're not in sync with God at the moment, there might be a moment of that pass through us. And this is the day when we need the power and the anointing and the peace of Christ to stand in the midst of the trials and the temptations that's going. So all what we are to do is to overcome these things. What do you think Jesus felt when the enemy started beating him and placing the crown on his head and mocking him? How did he stay perfect in his thoughts? How did he stay righteous in his thoughts? And finally, when he came to the cross, he admitted, Father, if you could let me go, I don't want to do this. So we have to understand that he was in the flesh. He had the same feelings that we have, but he overcame them so that he could be righteous enough to forgive us of our sins. And so this is a season where we need to kind of cinch ourselves up when we start to... Uh, mess up when we start to say things we shouldn't or do things that we shouldn't or partake of things that we shouldn't we need to cinch up our salvation because this is a most important season and hopefully it will last throughout our whole life if, if we make the proper changes at the proper time this is a very unique time to take spiritual inventory you know what that means you have to stand and look at yourself see what's on your shelves you know, and take spiritual inventory. What can I change? How can I be better? Just, you know, today I don't challenge you to look at the whole spectrum. Just look at one thing. Just, and when we take time to examine ourselves, just just ask the Lord to show you one specific thing that you could change that would glorify him because we all have things that we need to change that will glorify God. So this is a unique time to take spiritual inventory, to check our conversation. You know, Christians don't have the best conversation. And especially if we hit our finger with a hammer. I remember my mom, if she if she hurt herself, you'd hear five minutes of tongues and then thank you, Jesus. And I, I have had that all my life. You know, but sometimes we hear tongues, but they're not holy. You know, and we hear those things. And so it's time for us to just caution ourselves uh, with those things. And I, we have experienced this in our own church. We have had people in the past who have wanted to serve God. But one thing that they were short on was their conversation. They could never change their conversation. And today they're not here. Because if the enemy has a foothold in your life... He will work and work and work to get the door open to take possession of some area of your life. And another thing that we do, church, we have closets in our heart. And in those closets, sometimes we keep things. We're not bitter. We're not ugly. 
We're not anything. We just have a, a closet door that's shut, and it doesn't take much for something to open it a little bit and let it let it out. But, you know, the Bible says that when we come to him, we're a new creature in Christ. Old things, not thins like in the bullet this morning, but all things are passed away and everything has become new. And so we have to we have to do a little housekeeping, you know, and this is a great time to do it in this season when we want to identify with Christ and his sufferings. He could have had a closet. In him, after all the things that that happened to him, and his father was watching, he wanted to be out of it, and his father said, no, I want you to do this for all humanity. So, and you know, this is a time to take inventory. Is there a hurt, a disappointment, a trial, a tribulation, somewhere lacking way in the deep that maybe you have a dream about it, or you get restless about it, or somebody brings it up, and then it's all there. And I can understand that because that's happened to me in the past. But we have to release those things because we're new creatures in Christ. And you can't just go in there today and examine yourself and find a whole bunch of stuff and say, it's too much, I can't do it. But if you will pick out the one thing that irritates you the most, and surely there must be one thing in your life that irritates you. You know, something that needles you, something that bothers you. It's a challenge to make a change in your life. But God is calling for that today. And this is a unique time to do it in honor of his suffering and honor of what he has done for us. What kind of a spirit does our flesh have? You know, Christians can have the spirit of God in them, and we do have the spirit of God in us. But different kinds of characters can have different kinds of spirits. We can have a, a quick one. We can have a... a one that's not so quick. We can have one that's disagreeable. You know, you just kind of, you don't really have an argument, but you just disagree with everything about you. About We can have these little kind of agitating things that keep us from having a a countenance of a believer. You know, they they say, well, don't, don't even talk to them because they'll get upset, you know. So that's a kind of a spirit that dwells in our character. And that's something that we can we can control with the power of God in our life. So this is a serious moment to impose the ashes and to to think about repentance. And somebody said, "Well, where is that in the Bible?" Well, let's look at Matthew eleven twenty one. Jesus is commenting here to the people. It's red letters, and he's and he talks about a couple of groups of people. Uh, he says. <clears throat> Uh, he he talks about um, okay. Somebody read it to me. Matthew eleven twenty one. Who can pronounce those words? It's these two cities. He said, if people would have done the mighty works that they have did, then this two other two cities, Tyre and Sidon, they would have uh, repented in sackcloth and ashes. Now, who has that? You have that, Wendy? Can you read it? So you see, it, it was an Old Testament thing that they did. 
they would repent and set in sackcloth and ashes. What did Job do? He sat in the ashes, scraped himself with the glass. Well, thank God he doesn't call us to sit in the ashes and to scrape our sores. But this is just, it, it's just an item to identify with Christ and his sufferings. And so it, it is important that when we repent, and that's what today is about, it's about asking the Lord to show us something that perhaps we need to repent about and to, to uh, come forth in a challenge to be better in the days ahead. So Jesus said, well, you know, if they, if this one, these two cities would have changed and repented as sackcloth and ashes, they would have been mighty cities like the other two. So it's very scriptural, church. And it's not just a Catholic thing. The Protestants do it. The Methodists, the Lutherans, if, if these churches follow the church calendar that was set forth by our forefathers, they celebrate it. We do here. I never knew about it when I came here, but Phyllis was a good Presbyterian. She understood all those things, and she guided me in that. And those are powerful things. We, we celebrate Advent. Can you imagine just going through church and never even talking about the birth of Christ? You know, and we celebrate all these things, resurrection, his death. We celebrate the ashes. We celebrate those kinds of things to make us remember who we are, that we're born again saints and somebody paid a price for us to have this freedom and this salvation. So as this holy season begins and we look within ourselves and contemplate the gift of salvation, you know, what what can we change? How can we be better? These are the things that we want to look at. Be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation. First of all, in the word of God. Be an example of the believer in the word of God. Be it in your conversation. Be it in your giving, in your charity, in your spirit, in your faith, you know, and and in your purity. It's so so important, church, to think like a Christian, to think, you know, you come to a crisis and you think, instead of thinking, God, why is this happening? You think, I'm a Christian. How will I deal with this? You know, God, how will you help me to deal with this this issue? Because out of my heart comes the issues of life. And, and the Bible says that I have life in you and I have health in you. So in this holy season, as we begin to look within and we begin to contemplate and reflect, and I hope that you will do that in a few moments when we do this, the ashes tell us that we have inventoried our life and we found something there that we should change or that we should grow in. You know, uh, the flesh could not comply with the law. I've said this so often, church. If you read the Old Testament, you see what was required of the Israelites. You know, the flesh could never comply with the law. They could never keep the law. But Jesus kept the law to the letter And he obeyed his father and he brought us salvation without the restrictions of the law. And I thank him every day when I get a devotion and it tells me to read in the Old Testament and I see what happened to them. I'm thankful that I'm in the New Testament. I'm thankful that Jesus did all these things for me. Hebrews 7.19 says, for the law made nothing perfect, but the beginning in of a better hope did. The law didn't do it, but Jesus did, by the which we draw nigh to God. That's what this message is about today. 
that we draw nigh to his holiness because he is holy and he requires holiness of us. Holiness is not an outside thing. Holiness is a heart thing. When the heart is right with God, it will be seen on the outside. This is the season that we give attention to hope. We talked about that in Sunday school. And this is the season that we draw nigh to God. Sunday school has been all about that for the last few weeks, about drawing nigh to God because we've been in Hebrews. But sometimes our struggles, you know, are God's purpose in bringing us closer to him. We see that, you know, in our own country in 9-11. That crisis brought everybody to, to close to God. They stood out on the Capitol steps and sang, God bless America. And then in six months, they were cursing God. So the, po- the point is that it, it is a drawing closer to God day by day. You can't just go your way for six months and not pay attention. It's a drawing closer day by day. It's a time of God convicting you on a daily basis and drawing close. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. He will always draw you close if you want him to. If you push him away, he will leave you where you are. But if you want him and you draw close to him, he'll always draw close to you. We're so quickly reminded of the frailties of our flesh, you know, when God starts to deal with us. But we are to be an overcomer. And what does that say? That means we're, we're constantly overcoming. And he told us how we can do that. We can do it by the blood of the lamb, you know, and by our testimony. So there's two ways that we can show that we're a believer by overcoming and by our testimony. That's the purpose of overcoming is that we will have a testimony of Christ. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, you know, and his his presence is so prevailing in our life. The blood of the lamb has given us a testimony and Christianity needs that testimony to be red hot in this day. Because they need to know Jesus. It's about our life in him, church. It's about reading the word. It's about exhortation. What What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, you know, until I come, but I say till Jesus comes, we need to be in the mode of exhortation. What does that mean? That means that we're mindful. When we meet people, we're mindful of what's going on. We hear what's going on, and we got an exhortation. What is an exhortation? Do you have to stand up and prophesy to them? No. You just speak a word in season, one word in season. I got a card from a prisoner this week, and he just spoke one line to me, and it was so powerful you know and that was a word of exhortation he says i believe god would like me to say this to you and he said this line to me and you know that's where where we need to be we need to be on the edge you know where god can speak to us and we meet somebody and we give him a hug and we we sense there's a need and we give him a word in season you know it's important it's about our life in him second corinthians five seventeen says therefore if any man be in christ he's a new creature Old things. Now, listen, church, when you got saved, old things passed away. But how many tell tell me how many don't have any old thing that needs to pass away again? Because as we live and breathe and have our being, you know, and God is with us and covers us, we still live in the flesh. 
So there still gets a few old things that gets attached to us that we need to get rid of. So many things that we hold on to, church, that we need to let go of. And, and I, I say that with all assurance that we can do it if we will take time to meditate upon God. Now, I want to take a moment in Philippians, if you turn there, Philippians chapter 1. This is powerful. It's, it, it's verse 27. It says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That you stand fast in spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28 says, this is powerful. It says that we are in nothing terrified. Now, we've had this two years of all of this sickness and all of this bad news that's on the newscasters all the time. It just gets worse and worse and worse. We had this horrible storm just yesterday. But the word of God says, in nothing, in nothing, be terrified by your adversary. This is the enemy of your soul that seeks to terrify the Christian. And we have to push against it. I know that you do. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his cause. You have to write this scripture down and meditate upon it and hear exactly what the Spirit is saying. He's saying that we are not terrified by the adversary because anything that comes against us is of the enemy of our soul. Verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ. This is what we do in behalf of our Savior. Not only to believe on him, but to suffer for him. So how do we handle our suffering? How does a believer handle their suffering? We draw nigh to God. We draw nigh to God. First Peter 1, 15 and 16, it says, As he has called you, he that has called you is holy. So ye must be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, we've got segments of Christianity that thinks holiness is all on the outward, you know. And we've got segments of them that think it's so holy that they're no earthly, you know, they don't have any earthly character. And then we've got those that that don't even think about holiness. But as a Christian, as a born-again believer, we do need to think about holiness. And it's something that's in inward. It's the inner man. And when it gets right with God, and when it's challenged, and when it does inventory, and when it has a right spirit, then it will show in the believer's countenance and the believer's testimony. And I believe that we need stronger testimonies today for the cause of the kingdom. Second Peter three eleven and 14. Well, I wanted to challenge you to just read all of Philippians chapter 1 in your devotions this week. It says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ. That is a powerful statement, church. I tried it this week, and it was really difficult because every time I started to think something that I shouldn't, I said, oh, let this mind be in you. Let the mind of Christ be in me. And that worked for five minutes. 
And then there I was back thinking, and I had to continue to do that. We have to continue to keep abreast of the mind of Christ in us. So I want to challenge you to read first, first uh, Philippians, first chapter, in your devotions, because I don't have time to go into it, but it's powerful. Second Peter 3.11, as I come to a close today, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, the manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, where in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and elements shall melt with fervent heat. That day is ahead of us, church. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Therefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may found, be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. The Lord lays before us today a big challenge, a challenge to draw nigh to him, to draw near to him, to ask him what one thing could I change that would help me to be more powerful for you. James Third chapter, 17th verse says, The wisdom that is from above first is peaceable and gentle. Are we peaceable? Are we gentle? Or are we harsh? Or are we always have a disagreement? You know. And we, if we live in the flesh, we will do those things. So it's hard to come against the flesh and live for God. It goes on to say, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. These are the things that we want to think about this morning. Wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, full of mercy and goodness, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Romans 12:9 Let love be without dissimulation. What does that mean? It means don't let your love be false. When you know when somebody says you like my new hat, and you go, oh, "I love it. I cannot stand it." Well, that's just a simple expression. You know, but we need to speak the truth in love to one another and speak the truth to ourselves that the spirit of God would resound in power and might within us. So don't let our don't let us serve God and come to church because we want to escape hell. But let us love God and serve God because we want to be a servant of the kingdom of God and we want to have a testimony and we want to make others see Jesus in us and we want to draw others to Christ. Abhor that which is evil. Abhor it. Not just say, oh, that's bad. No, abhor it. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Rejoice in hope. Patient. Ready for this? Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Bless them that persecute you. These are the words of God. You know, and I haven't I haven't been in this passage of scripture for a while. Because, you know, there's a big Bible. Gotta read things. I've been doing 
all these sermons on holiness. And I got there and I thought, wow, if that was ever a message to speak to us about our inward holiness, that we would show forth the testimony of God, you know, abhor evil, cleave to that which is good. These words abhor and cleave, they're, they're not simple words. They're powerful words. If you look it up in the dictionary, I I drive my prisoners crazy because I make them look up everything in the dictionary. But we have to have a total understanding of what God is saying in his word. And patient in tribulation, instant in prayer. Consider our testimony as a Christian. What are the outward signs that we can change? Just pick one. Today, as we meditate, and I'm asked, Phyllis, that you just play, and for just a moment, if you just bow your heads, just meditate and ask God if He would point you to something that you could be better in, point you to something that you could grow in, something that would make you more powerful in Him. Did you notice that when you want to? reflect did you notice that it's hard to keep your mind there I hope that you was all able to to stay focused and on point and I love to hear testimonies of what God is going to do in us as we draw close to him can never get close enough church never get close enough